0: Okay, so welcome back into the program. Good morning, hockey. Uh shout out to Brendan Tegatoff for sitting in in the Raven seat today. We also have Raven here on the production side of things, but uh Raven is showing Brendan the rope, so we're happy to have him here. Um Yep, very excited. Thank you, Brendan. Appreciate you. Uh so we'll we're gonna jump right into it. We're gonna keep it tight here today for the production boys. Um, we had 10 games around the nhl last night it was an exciting night of hockey we have uh three games only on tap tonight so it's kind of a lighter night around the league um but it was an exciting night of hockey last night a lot of great games uh matthew kachuk scored his fifth career hat trick in his homecoming game return to st louis last night the panthers beat the blues five to one the tampa bay lightning with a late comeback over the los angeles kings three to two um And many more. So uh, we're going to jump right into that. Um, Interesting note, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers tonight are going to play the Montreal Canadiens. It appears that we're going to get Jamie Drysdale's first game in a Philadelphia Flyers uniform after being traded later Monday evening uh, from the Anaheim Ducks. He is currently playing with Travis Sanheim on the first pair in Philadelphia Coach John Tortorella mentioned getting him out there on the power play, so we will see how that goes tonight. Elsewhere around the league tonight, we have uh, the Minnesota Wild at the Dallas Stars. It is the second half of a home-and-home home after Dallas won 4-0 on Monday. Um, the Wild in five are 5-5 five and five in their last 10. Uh, Dallas remains an underrated force in this league, and so we'll watch out for that one. And then the late game tonight is the Golden Knights taking on the Colorado Avalanche, the Golden Knights are 3-7 uh, and seven in their last 10, struggling a little bit. And the Avs continue to roll after a 4-3 shootout win over Boston on Monday. So we will keep an eye on those games a little bit. We will keep an eye for any news that might come out over the next little bit or so here. And we will continue to talk about the games from last night. So the Florida Panthers beat the St. Louis Blues 5-1 at Enterprise Center in St. Louis. And Matthew Kachuk scores a third period hat trick to seal the deal for the Panthers. The Panthers have won um, nine in a row, or eight in a row, excuse me, and they've just looked really good. Anthony Stoller's had 29 saves. Uh, Florida just finished up a four game road trip for themselves. So it is very impressive what they've been able to string together. They have faced a lot of outside noise with the Nick Cousins situation. Um, a lot of outside criticism for maybe how the team plays when in reality, they're just playing to the identity that they've molded themselves into over the last year and a half under Paul Maurice, and they continue to win. So they are a team to watch going forward. They're going to be a tough out no matter who they play in the playoffs, the way they, the way they hit, the way they grind, the way they work for their wins, and the depth that they have with some of these players like Kevin Stenlin, who got a goal last night, I'm a fan of his, and um some of these other guys carter verhage is a star at this point or at that at that cusp of uh role player star if they if there exists such a line and um so the florida panthers just continue to roll no matter who they put in that no matter who they have on d no matter who they have in the bottom six they continue to rattle off wins tampa bay with a late comeback Over the Los Angeles Kings, Nick Nick Perbix with the overtime winner. It looked like the Kings were going to just cruise to a win in Tampa Bay. They were up 2-0, and it looked as if they were going to skate to an easy win here. And Tampa Bay rallied with two goals in the third. uh, The first by Tyler Mott. The second by Brandon Hagel off of a beautiful rush and a good pass from Nick Perbix. And then Perbix finishes it off in overtime off the assist from Hagel. So the Lightning win a really important game for them. Every game is important for them coming up. They uh, currently find themselves in the second wild card spot, just ahead of the New Jersey Devils and just behind the New York Islanders. And it's tight. It's tight. They're all within two points of each other, and that stretches down to include the Washington Capitals, the Penguins, and the Red Wings. So all of those teams with 44 and the Lightning with 45 and three more games played everybody so those games are crucial for tampa bay the vancouver canucks continue to roll they beat the islanders five to two and that is after winning in madison square garden the night before six to three they have won three in a row they look absolutely dominant the top defensive pairing of philip pronick and quinn hughes continues to look incredibly good both scored goals last night the The Hronik shot was incredible. The Hughes shot was very, very impressive. And if you're the Islanders, they played a hard-fought game. They probably deserved a little bit more offensively. It's very difficult to stop this Canucks team. We've learned over this first half of the season when they are buzzing offensively, it's very difficult to put a stop to that. But the Islanders worked hard. Brock Nelson was very good he scored two goals for them that didn't amount to much in the end but the fact that he has put in his 18th and 19th of the season is going very under the radar so far and he is one of the reasons he's one of those guys that's been in new york for a very long time and he justin bailey was or josh bailey i'm sorry was not re-signed by the islanders last year and he him and Brock nelson were kind of those two guys that have been there for a very long time and now uh, bailey's gone so it's just nelson there as part of that that longest tenured we've ha- they have some of those guys like sezekiel and clutterbuck that have been there for a long time but brock nelson is really I don't want to say the straw that stirs the drink there because it should be some of these other players like Matt Barzell and Bo Horvat and Noah Dobson and Ryan Pulock and Adam Pellick that and Elias Sorokin that pushed the Islanders into relevancy and competition. But Brock Nelson is someone that is incredibly consistent. He's on pace for 39 goals this year. He's on pace for 72 points which would be a career high in the national hockey league for brock uh so with those 39 goals so to be doing this all at the age of 32 is very impressive um we all know he comes from a really impressive hockey family too and uh so it's nice to see him scoring the islanders have some work they need to figure out but overall the islanders have been playing pretty well too so consider this more of a blip on the radar and a juggernaut just steamrolling into town and getting another win the Canucks like I said look really good Elias Pettersson with a beautiful give and go with JT Miller as well and that game was a good one to watch so the Canucks keep on rolling we will uh see see how that goes for them in the near future uh they don't play again until they take on the Buffalo Sabres on Friday or on Saturday pardon me uh the Leafs and the Sharks so the Leafs lay one on the San Jose Sharks. 7 to 1 is the final score and this game was really impressive by the Leafs. It I know it was the San Jose Sharks. The Sharks have uh lost 12 in a row. I am pretty sure. And um the losing streak it extends past the the 10 game the last 10 game record that the NHL gives you. So you look at the the last 10 for the Sharks and it's 0 10 and 0 and but the losing streak extends a little farther than that. So things are not going well in san jose but it was a very impressive win for the leafs uh matthew's first goal was such a hard rip uh mitch Miner's deflection to make it 3-0 was incredible with the on the goal line between his legs kind of lifting the left leg up was very impressive he also had two assists he passes frank mahovlich for uh ninth on the all-time leafs points list um which is just super impressive in and of itself. I grew up listening to my grandfather talk about Frank Mahavlich. So the fact that Mitch has been able to pass, we're we're getting at that point now with some of these players where they're starting to pass some of these legendary um, figures in their franchises history. And whenever you get something like that happening for these original six franchises, like the Leafs, it uh, brings a bit more weight to the scenario. So mitch marner with three points passes frank Mahovlich, william nylander with three assists and a standing ovation in the warm-ups after he was announced in the starting lineup he signed his big ticket on monday so the fans had their first opportunity to show their support for william after um committing to the city for the next eight years so great game overall pontus holmberg how about that one-handed goal too that was phenomenal um just a great stretch and dug in right all alone and chipped it on the forehand one-handed you got to have really good strength in your forearms to be able to do that so um the Leafs with a really thorough effort Henry Thrun for the Sharks getting his first NHL goal congrats to Henry Thrun for that and uh Martin Jones has started his fifth game in a row for the Leafs if we want to look inside the crease um he's only allowed three goals in his last four games um You feel like this could have been a game that they could have thrown in the kid, Dennis Hildeby, and probably given him an easy game to sort of get himself acclimated to the NHL. But they chose to go with Jones, and they got the win. So hard to argue with that one. Um, Like I mentioned, three games around the NHL tonight. Kind of a quiet night around the league. But uh, two of these games are pretty premier matchups. So... um, we will, we will see where that goes. Uh, nothing exciting coming across my desk, just unnecessary texts coming through. You never know if it's going to be something exciting that we might be able to talk about on here. If you never know if any bit of news is coming through, cross the line. Um, elsewhere around the league last night, Seattle defeats Buffalo 5-2, and things are not going well in Buffalo. A lot of frustration there. You saw Rasmus Dahlin smash his stick over the crossbar after... I want to say the fifth Kraken goal. Um, so things are not going the way that they expected to in Buffalo this season. Uh, for Seattle, if you are Seattle, things couldn't be going better for them. They've won seven in a row. They have points in eleven straight. Matty Baneers had an excellent shot yesterday on the five on the fifth goal for the Kraken, and they've just been working hard. They've been working to that identity that they created for themselves last year that allowed them to get to Game Seven of the second round but that they kind of lost at the beginning of the season. It's hard to play to that tough hard-nosed identity where you're grinding away wins against teams that have more talent than you. At the beginning of the season, it's a little understandable that you match up alongside on the other ice, on the other side of the ice with some of these teams that you know early on in the season when the energy is high on both sides, it, it is generally the case that the skill will win over. So Seattle's lost a lot of those games, but now that the the will portion of things has shifted and as we enter the lull of the NHL season as and heading into the stretch run, it's going to become a lot more about will than skill. So Seattle's giving themselves a chance. That's all you can really ask for after the start they had. Uh, growth for Maddie Beneers is obviously paramount for them, and seeing what the rest of the team can provide as far as offense and depth offense especially is good. Um, it's paramount for them really Uh, Thomas Tatar has been pretty good since uh, joining the team from the Avalanche Ely Tolvanen has been really good Joey Decord obviously has been really good Um, so the Kraken continue to roll the Sabres continue to struggle for Buffalo they might be able to bring in a piece at some point that might be something that they look at but it's almost the same thing with the Ottawa Senators there's been talk about Potentially trying to bring in a veteran piece, and you have to wonder to yourself a little bit if some of these pieces they've already brought in already. If you're the Ottawa Senators, maybe the the look at is Claude Giroux. If you're if you're Buffalo, maybe the 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 finger pointing is at Eric Johnson and um, some of these other veterans that they have, like Kyle Apozo, who's been there for a little while, but if you're talking about bringing in more people, how do you not look at the people you already have in the room and the people you've already spent money on and time on and games on and chances on, right? So we'll see what happens in Sabres land. I think Devin Levi has been very good. He's been a big talking point for the league and for goaltending and for the Buffalo Sabres this season. But Man, Devin Levi Levi has been very good in some hockey games this year, and in the games that he's not, it appears from the outside view that he's just not getting the help in front of him that he needs in order to be successful. Yes, it's very hard to play goaltender in the NHL. Yes, it's very hard to play goaltender in the NHL when you haven't played much or if at all, really, in the American Hockey League. We know Levi has played some games now this season, but... He hadn't before, and when you do that, you really need to do your best to insulate the person, and the Sabres were having a hard time of doing that, so it uh, will be interesting to see if they are able to correct that before it becomes too late. The Sabres have a really important stretch of games coming up that could define their season, um, even though that season may already be defined by what they've done through, through to this day. Um, there's always time to turn things around until it is too late, so... We'll see what the, the Sabres can do. Um, their next game won't be until uh, Thursday, uh, hosting the Ottawa Senators, another struggling team. So that will be an important one on Thursday. The Anaheim Ducks defeat the Nashville Predators 5-3, the first game, minus Jamie Drysdale. And this game was not as close as the scoreline might indicate. It was 5 nothing Anaheim for about as long as it could be before Nashville scored three goals later in the game to make it a more respectable 5-3 scoreline. What was really impressive in this one was, one, Mason McTavish, who continues to be lights out the whole time, but also just the response. Your, Your organization makes a big deal. You lose a piece that, for all intents and purposes, was considered to most of us, to be a long-term piece in the future of the Anaheim Ducks and the Anaheim Ducks blue line, that being Jamie Drysdale. Obviously, that idea has shifted now. Jamie Drysdale is a Philadelphia Flyer. Cutter Gauthier, we await to see when he puts pen to paper on an Anaheim Ducks NHL contract. But you're at the realization now where you have a really young group in the room Yes, Anaheim has seen some pieces moved before. This core has seen some pieces moved before. Hampus Lindholm comes to mind. Some of these other guys come to mind. Um, but at the same time, you've done more bringing in than bringing out in some cases with Ryan Strom and Alex Kalorn and Ilya Labushkin and Radko Gudis and some of these other players. And yes, you've said some goodbye to some players too, like Ryan Getzloff. You're talking about. You know, John Gibson's name has been bandied about in trade rumors for as long as we can remember. But at the same time, now you have this really, really young core of players. Mason McTavish is only 20 or 21. Same with Trevor Zgris. Uh, Pavel Minchikov is a 19-year-old playing on defense for them. And, you know, Jackson Lacombe is uh, probably 21, 22. So the team is very young. And now you have a player who is a friend of theirs and a brother of theirs who is traded. And largely without any warning too. this, this deal was not really seen to be in the wind. It wasn't seem to be coming uh, by anybody. So it, it definitely came as a surprise to everyone in the organization and outside the organization. So the fact that a young group like this was able to respond and dominate another opponent only less than 48 hours after the fact is very impressive and speaks to the maturity of such a young group. Um, the Anaheim Ducks are going to want to continue to do this. We'll see how long this energy of the trade carries them through, but um, the we'll we'll see we'll see where it goes. It, it's important that they continue to grow. Uh, you you might say that this season is now a lost one for the Anaheim Ducks as they mire near the bottom of the standings, but it's very important to continue to get good play out of these young defensemen, especially. They felt that they had a, a deep enough defensive prospect pool, and are you could argue that they do, that Jamie Drysdale was expendable in the name of bringing in a strong power forward with high potential in Cutter. And it will be very paramount that they deal with the goaltending situation correctly, especially depending on what John Gibson wants to do now. Lucas Dostal looks like he could be goalie of the future for the ducks so giving him a long run of games and a long stretch to prove himself and develop at the nhl level playing games as a goaltender in the league does help you develop even though the nhl is not a developmental league um it is uh it'll be interesting to see so we have jamie drysdale making his or his debut in philadelphia tonight but the anaheim ducks get the first win and the first laugh with a 5-3 win without him um well, we'll continue on here. The the Winnipeg Jets defeat the Columbus Blue Jackets 5-0. Surprise, surprise. Um, the Jets continue to sit atop the National Hockey League, as most everybody predicted when the puck dropped at the beginning of the season. Um, Mike Sh- Mark Shifley becomes the second player in franchise history to hit 400 career assists, Blake Wheeler, Wheeler being the other one. And they have played 30 straight games where they've allowed three or fewer goals very impressive i have never even heard of a stat being like that of a streak running this long until this because it's been so long since we've seen such a streak like this um but the uh the current record in the expansion era 67 to 68 to present is held by the 14 15 minnesota wild at 35 games right so it's been about eight years since we've talked about a streak existing like this, and it's very impressive. You, Their defense isn't the biggest. You have, you have Josh Morrissey on the back end, and you have some bigger guys and guys that play big like Neil Pionk and Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon, but those guys also aren't necessarily big. When you look at the blue lines of some of these other teams in the Western Conference, looking at Vegas in particular— those teams have big blue lines and we will see when the playoffs roll around. It looks like the jets will either get matched up with the avalanche if they win the division or if they don't, or, or if they don't win the division, then either the, the avalanche or the stars, or maybe they'll pick up one of those wildcard teams if they do end up winning the division. So for them, it's probably very important to win the division. Uh, things are looking good on that front right now. Um, but they, they have Connor Hallebuck in the net. I think the security of giving him and Shifley those contracts before the season started, the seven-year extensions, were very important for the psyche of this franchise. You you lose Blake Wheeler, you trade Pierre-Luc Dubois, you buy out Blake Wheeler, you trade Pierre Luc Dubois. It really seems as if the Jets have fleeced that trade, even though that's the talking point of the season right now and the understatement of the season for the Jets. Gabe Velarde looks awesome for the Jets, and that doesn't even include the three other pieces they got. So, um, the Jets are really impressive. It will continue to be interesting to see who ends up being the best team in Canada. That is definitely a talking point to our neighbors up north quite a bit. In as far as who gives the country the best chance to end the Stanley Cup the first end the Stanley Cup drought from 1993. Um, I would not want to play this Winnipeg, Winnipeg Jets team in the playoffs. That's for sure they are just very deep Vlad Nemesnikov has really been a solid depth addition for them but you don't even want to say depth for Vlad Nemesnikov because from what it appears and from what everybody has been saying in winnipeg that this guy has been very instrumental in terms of his influence on the locker room we know that with the whole blake wheeler situation before that it did become apparent it was a locker room issue in winnipeg and when you have an organization like Winnipeg in a city like Winnipeg, it becomes paramount that the experience in Winnipeg for these players is the best it can possibly be. And that is both away from the rink and at the rink. So if the experience is unpleasant at the rink and the experience is unpleasant in the locker room, then it's going to breed contempt among some of these players and it's not going to work the way that it wants to. I was speaking about this the other day with a friend of mine and, Hockey is a game where everybody has to like each other. In baseball, I argue that you can get away with not liking each other. Everybody does their job. You have the pitchers. You have the hitters. You have people in the outfield. You have people on base. And as long as everybody does their job, you can really get away with as minimal communication, unless you're the pitcher and the catcher. You can get away with as minimal communication with each other. You... Um, you don't really need to have a bond from what it seems now. Obviously you get to the teams that do end up winning the World Series and you talk to them and they talk about the bond that they have and they' I'm not here to discredit that at all. However, what I am here to say is that in hockey, you are always all working towards a common goal and you are always have to be you always have to be working together in sync 100% of the time, otherwise it's not going to work out and you're going to lose so in hockey if if and if you're not working together like that eventually you will get even something like a too many men on the ice call or you'll get a, a another bad penalty taken against you so or you'll get one in the back of your net too if you're not all working together so or you'll get beat up because this is hockey so um it it is very paramount that these players all like each other. And in Winnipeg, it really seems as if these players have finally come together under that identity of who they are and what they're trying to be. Adam Lowry is the captain now. I know that cut a lot of people off by surprise, but Adam Lowry is a homegrown talent for the team. He has been there for a long time. They are trying to build this team in the mold of Adam Lowry and they have it seems they've successfully done that. He is a grinder. He works very hard. I don't think it matters to anybody in Winnipeg that your captain is on the third line. Normally, that's a very National Hockey League thing where your captain will be your best player, but I am here to say that I think it's awesome that Adam Lowry is the captain of the Winnipeg Jets. He does a lot in the, the community there. He does a lot for the the sick kids there. It is... It's... Very nice to see a working-class town like Winnipeg be embodied by that in the hockey team because we know there was also a disconnect between the fan base and the franchise early on in the season. A lot of empty seats in a Canadian market always raise eyebrows and cause questions and panic, really, in Canada. And the the Winnipeg Jets have turned that on its head. They've rocketed up the standings. They're the best team in the National Hockey League right now you hear everybody talk all the pundits and all the podcasters alike and everybody's on the Winnipeg Jets right now so uh that is my two cents on them they continue to roll five nothing win over columbus um things are things are tough in columbus right now things are things are really tough out there um it it's it'll be interesting to see where the rest of this season goes for the blue jackets i should argue that I would argue that they should give a bit more opportunity to these young guys. We know they have done that. but And I know you have to figure out something to do with some of these veterans on the team, especially the ones that are locked up past this season. But if you're the Blue Jackets, you've got to find out what you have and what can work going forward after this year and not after this year. And that does include both on the ice and off the ice. Yarmo um, K- and has been GM there for a long time. I'm not going to sit here and do a whole postmortem on the on a team that is still playing with the the same group they still have, but Yarmo uh, might definitely be feeling a little bit of pressure on him right now, um, just like we all are. But um, it, it's been a while in Columbus, and they need to be better. Like they that team is a team that when they are good, even. In just a plucky, fiery sense, the fan base reciprocates that energy and they show out and they show support. I watched a lot of Columbus Blue Jackets games five, seven, eight years ago, um, especially when Cam Atkinson was on the team, would watch a lot of would watch a lot of Blue Jackets hockey and those teams with you know those those playoff runs a, a few years ago um, against Pittsburgh even when they lost and it, it it's super important that these teams get these experiences um you know like San Jose is really struggling we talked about them earlier but you could argue and I and I would argue that if you look at the way that San Jose operated for the first, 20 years of its existence that san jose has uh almost you could say a a pretty storied history for for a team that isn't as old as some of these other ones in the league the san jose sharks have not established themselves as a perennial loser they have instead set the expectations at being a perennial regular season performer which although has not been the case the past two seasons the fact that they were able to do that for 20 years has given them some credence and leeway with the fans where, yes, tickets aren't selling as much this year as in years past in San Jose. But when the team even shows a little bit of signs of life and of turning it around, the fans will come back in droves and the Shark Tank will be just as roaring as it was in 2008, let's say. As far as Columbus goes, the team, I personally believe, will sh- the fan base will show out as the team gets better. And that is that is absolutely true, but they don't have that same connection with the fan base that San Jose has in the fact of they haven't provided that community with the same level of consistent success that the San Jose sharks have. So in Columbus, you, you have to show effects of like tangible, we are getting better steps at development. So acquiring adam fantilli landing that pick and drafting adam fantilli it was a big step towards that his love and his family's love and appreciation for columbus definitely endeared him to the fan base after that the fact that he's playing a lot the fact that he loves celebrating goals is huge um but at the same time kent johnson has struggled a bit this year cole Salinger has struggled to find a place in the lineup david Juracek has been in the lineup for a lot of games this year and He's been noticeable sometimes and not noticeable other nights. So it's working to get what you can and see what you have out of some of these younger players, seeing how far they can grab hold of this team and help take it to the level that they want to. And then going from there. Uh, So that, that'll wrap on the, on the blue jackets talk, but Jets beat the blue jackets five zero, Winnipeg looking really good. And Columbus will get there at some point. So, um locally here in chicago we had the two best players in the world to some in town and they performed the oilers beat the hawks two to one the Connor bedardless hawks um as of right now and so the oilers come into town and they do what they do and they they beat the blackhawks two to one mcdavid's sco- or uh, jason dickinson scores which is becoming just as um as frequent as anything else around the league these days so Jake, jason dickinson scores for the hawks gets the first goal of the game and then dry settle from mcleod and nurse and mcdavid scores um afterward and that was the game that, that was the game right there the the hawks really couldn't muster up much else you can't really fault them for any of that it um they actually really controlled play for a lot of it they they held a really good edmund team edmonton team to only 15 shots the the problem, you could say, I guess, was just that the Oilers have the talent to score two goals on 15 shots. But um, the the Oilers are 18 and six since hiring Chris Knoblock. They have gone from shock and afterthought of the league and disappointment of the season to now sitting in the second wild card spot at with. 43 points in 37 games, uh, two points behind the Nashville Predators. And the interesting thing about the Western Conference playoff race is that, in fact, the Oilers have played fewer games than everybody else in the conference. So, not just—well, they're tied with the Los Angeles Kings in games played. I'm sorry. But they they have played—those two teams have played fewer than any other team's games in the conference. So, a team that a lot of people were questioning whether they would be able to make the playoffs after such a horrendous start now find themselves in a better position than most other teams around them to make the playoffs. So very impressive in Edmonton. Stuart Skinner has been really good. Uh, a lot of the depth players have been really good. Uh, Warren Fogle has been very good for the Oilers. It's been nice to see him contributing to the the score sheet. Um, you can tell the Oilers are really appreciative when players like Ryan McLeod and Derek Ryan get on the board for them too. Um, but McDavid and Dreisaitl continue to lead the charge for this club. It's going to always be all about Dreisaitl and McDavid. Um, McDavid is now sixth in NHL scoring at 55 points, just behind Nylander and Pasternak, who each have 57, um, just kidding also going to throw artemi panarin in there so three players with 57 but Connor mcdavid is 35 or 55 points in 35 games so i could definitely still see him running away with this uh our trophy race by the end of the season um that being the one currently led by nikita kucherov with 67 points so mcdavid not too far behind himself we are practically at the halfway mark of the season most of these teams have played 41 games some of them have played fewer um so that uh that is an interesting case in edmonton we'll obviously see how um much connor can charge up the scoring race and when or and where he finishes by the end the oilers next take on detroit in detroit on thursday evening the blackhawks on the other hand uh will be in winnipeg speaking about the jets uh we will see how the blackhawks can fare against the best team in the nhl that will be a tough one without connor bedard who we still have no injury update on after receiving word that further imaging and testing needed to be done on the jaw to see how long he will be out so the other games around the nhl last night um Coyotes beat the Bruins 4-3 in overtime. Uh, Nick Schmaltz with a great overtime winner. He's been really good for the Coyotes, really consistent, bringing a lot of energy and passion to that team. Um, We've talked about uh, Nick Schmaltz before and Clayton Keller. But just to see how uh, much Schmaltz is taking charge of that team, uh, it's very cool to see. So the Coyotes continue to win. The Bruins drop another one in extra time after losing to the Avs on monday in a shootout um boston if you are boston they're probably not looking at this one more than just a blip on the radar like i said they've they've played very well overall even though maybe the results haven't always been there in some of their last few games they um as long as the process is still there for them david Posternak has is not dropped off in production at all as far as point production go goes like i said 57 points, 25 goals, and only 40 games. So, that's been really impressive. Brad Marchand also has been very, very good for the team here. um A lot of people thought that there would be a drop off. Brad Marchand has 37 points in 40 games, 17 goals, and a lot of people thought that the the absence of Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci, obviously more specifically Bergeron, when talking about the production of Marchand and Pasternak and thinking that that would just destroy or I, I don't know if the word is necessarily destroy, but definitely it would, that it would impact negatively the production of those two guys of Pasternak and Marshand, And the fact that it hasn't is just speaks to the Boston Bruins way of doing things. They're able to take these guys and just plug them in and play. And they continue to win and gather points and sit up near the top of the NHL standings. So, um, The Boston Bruins will be just fine. And the Arizona Coyotes needed to get out of a slump. So good on them for winning that one. Um, That was the last game in the NHL last night. Like I said, we have three games on tap tonight. A bit more of a busy day on Thursday with with 13. So we'll be back to talk about those tomorrow. But uh, only three games on tonight. Uh, Canadians, Flyers, like I said. uh, Stars, Wild, and Avs, and Knights. So... That'll do it for us here today at Good Morning Hockey on the Aletheo Network. Check out our other shows. Everything is up on Spotify and Apple Music and uh, iHeartRadio, whatever you choose to listen to your shows on. So we're we're always out there. Um, and thank you again to Brennan for coming out today. Uh, we're really pumped to have him as part of this and to be helping Raven out as far as all of our production goes. Um, well, three games tonight. We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you, everybody.